0: it on, it came off as I stood up, so I think it's a sign that I'm not supposed to preach tonight, joking, okay, <laughs> thanks for being here tonight, uh, thanks Charles for song leading and uh, if you have your Bibles, can you open up to Philippians chapter 2, I'm glad uh, I'm glad for the words in that song, burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near, that you can uh, bring your burdens to him wherever you are. And I was doing that on the way home from work today, just thankful that you can just pray to God wherever you are. And uh, teaching in our high school today as well, just was a blessing to see some lights uh, flick on in the minds of some of our young people that I saw someone go, oh, you can get saved outside of church. They didn't know. They thought you just, you can only become a Christian if you did, like if you prayed inside church or something like that. Um... And a light turned on that, you know, baptism is not salvation, so we're able to talk about that. Um, So I'm just thankful for the things that, you know, we probably take for granted a lot, but little things like that are good to reflect upon. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, we are going to have a members meeting after the the service tonight, so we'll see if I'm brief or not. Um, Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read the first eight verses, um, so if you just follow along with me. It says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. That's all we need to read there. I'm just going to have a word of prayer and then we'll have a look at this. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for yet another day you've given us, uh, Lord, that your mercies are new every day and uh, that your goodness is with us. Lord, we thank you that you've given us all that we have. And I uh, thank you for this opportunity just to gather together as your church, uh, to, to glorify you through singing and uh, just through our hearts, Lord, and opening your word, which is precious and helpful. And uh, we just ask that you'd guide us now as we look at it uh, may we be helped tonight, Lord God. I pray that you'd be with us and pleased with everything that takes place. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was looking at this, these verses and just considering uh, a few things. And as I read these verses, obviously some things stood out to me, and that's why I want to share this with you tonight. But it made me think about a, when, you get, when you're a part of a group photo, and I wonder if you've ever been part of a group photo, whether it's something like a whole school photo, a whole class photo at school, or maybe it's a work function and then everyone's getting together, or maybe it's your grandma wants a photo of the family or something like that. And that photo is taken and then you have opportunity to see that, uh, whether it's straight away on a device or you know printed like it was 100 years ago. Um, right. And the first thing, I wonder what you do when you see that photo. I wonder what your reaction or what you're looking for when you see that photo for the first time. I know for me, it's, what do I look like? (laughs) How's my hair? Is my smile all weird? Like, am I blinking? Uh, Is my shirt buttoned up right? Like, I'm looking at myself, and perhaps you're the same. I know particularly our young people are like that, but I'm pretty sure we're all like that, that the first thing that we look for is, what do I look like? And that's going to determine whether we say, oh, that was a good photo, or that was a bad photo, is usually by what we look like in that photo. But really, whether it's good or bad, it shouldn't be based on what we look like in the photo. It's actually determined by who the photo is for or what the purpose of the photo is. So if it's for Grandma and she just wants to see you know, her, you know, her offspring and their offspring and everything, all the generations down the line, if she wants to see that and she doesn't care whether you're smiling like that or not, then she's going to say that's a good photo. So it's actually determined by who the photo is for or what the photo's purpose is. And it made me think that's kind of like this and that's kind of like our church or kind of like church in general. That what, the, what we're like in church is actually, we're supposed to think about not, not necessarily just how it affects me, but how does it affect Jesus Christ who purchased the church with his own blood? How we operate as a church, we should be thinking, are we doing it well or not according to what Jesus Christ expects of the church? So I want to just talk a little bit tonight about being, as this passage states, of one mind, of one mind as a church. And, you know, a church made up of a group of believers, saved believers, trusting in Jesus Christ. Um, You know, you have a group of people posing for a photo, but we're supposed to look and operate a certain way based on what Jesus Christ expects of the church that he purchased. So if we just have a look here, in, in verse 1, there's things mentioned here that Christ actually provides for the local church. And he provides this for our church. And you can just see this. It says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies. These are things that Christ actually provides opportunity for in the church for us to partake of, for us to be blessed by and and have a part in. But it's not just that he provides those things, it's he actually desires to see those things in a church. And when I say church, I am talking about the saved believers that make up the church. I'm saying Jesus Christ expects to see these things in us individually because together we make up the church. And it's not just that he desires, but it's actually the intent of God that these things would come out in the local church. So for us tonight, that's you and me, we need to look at this and go, okay, is that coming out in us as a church? Is that seen in in Good Shepherd Baptist Church? So I'm just going to have a look at a few of these things, and tonight really I'm just going through these verses and just pointing out some things that I see, and hopefully it's a blessing, hopefully it's some things that... You know, maybe we can challenge ourselves on that kind of thing. So, the first one here is any consolation in Christ. And I've just looked up a lot of these words and, you know, just find, found a bit of their meanings and stuff. And the consolation here is talking about calling near or entreating. Now, what I get from this is that we need to operate as a church with a dependency on Christ, not a dependency on what somebody else can do, not a dependency on what, you know, what. Great things we can do together, or you know how how good we can put a uh, production together, or anything like that. But it's a dependency on Jesus Christ, and a, a coming near and entreating unto Him, and realizing that without Him we actually don't exist as a church. He is the one that makes us a church, <laughs> because otherwise we're just a group of people posing for a photo. Like there's there's nothing special about it. But we need a dependency on Jesus Christ. So all of these things, really, it's just for us to question, am I doing this? Or are we doing this as a church? Am I being dependent on Christ? Or do I just come to church and just go through what we do as church, go through the motions, so to speak? So we need a dependency on Christ. The next one here is any comfort of love. Now, comfort of love, it's, there's an action that needs to take place love is an action, it's not just a feeling. You know, Jesus Christ died for the whole world. He died for sinners. That's an action showing his love. So, when we think about our church and we think about us in this church, are we showing our love through actions? Are we showing our love through words? Are we actually producing that? Or, is it, or do we just have an idea of it? That, you know, a church is supposed to be a loving place. And I can tell you now, I talk to those people outside of the outside the church on Sunday morning and they were like, oh, you know, we believe the same thing about Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is loving and, you know, he he cares about everyone all the same, all this kind of stuff. And that's actually not the same as what we believe. We don't believe that, that Jesus Christ feels the same or loves the animals the same as human beings. There is a difference there. But all I'm saying is, as a church, do we just have this idea of we're supposed to be loving or are we actually putting it into action? Is there words coming out of our mouths? Is there things that we're doing that we're showing love, and not just to the outside, but even towards one another? Like, are, are we only loving the lost and forgetting the people that God's put us together with as a church? So this comfort of love, it's supposed to—it's supposed to be visible, not just an idea. The next one is this: is the fellowship of the Spirit, and this fellowship—the word fellowship here—it actually is talking about association or joint participation. And I think about, you know, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, capital S, he's supposed to be our guide. You know, we see that he's our comforter. We see that he actually guides us. He's the one that brings things to our remembrance and all these sorts of things. He does that as an individual Christian, but this is in the context of a whole group of believers together. So the question has to be asked, are we allowing, are, are we Participating with the Holy Spirit as Good Shepherd Baptist Church, for Him to be our guide in everything that we do. Or are we just a whole bunch of different Christians gathered together, and we all are walking our own way and just doing our own thing? But I think the importance here is that we're as a body all submitting ourselves to His leadership, submitting ourselves to His guidance, and that He's the one that's showing us the way. So that's important for us to remember that we're not just sitting in a pew apart from everyone else and have the Holy Spirit, but that we're all supposed to be submitting ourselves to him as a body together. So that whatever we do as Good Shepherd Baptist Church, we're doing it in unity with the Holy Spirit. I hope that makes sense. It's, it's very, very important that we think of it this way. Uh, and the last one here in verse 1 is any bows and mercies. And really that's just talking about compassion. It's talking about compassion. And, and I would say here that this is the, the defining character of Jesus Christ. That if anywhere you're supposed to find compassion and pity, you're supposed to find it within the church. You're supposed to find that we're replicating Jesus Christ's character. I said to one of our young men just this week, like, if you want to be more Christ-like, then just see how Jesus Christ handled himself around people. See how he handled problems and see, just read through the Gospels and just see what he did. And if you can do that, then you're going to be replicating Christ-like, you're going to be Christ-like in what you do. And so I think that's one of the main things is us as a church, we need to be recognised or defined by the character of Christ. And that comes with being compassionate. So Philippians 1.6, just the chapter before, you don't need to go there, but it says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I would say that we have been a church that has tried as best we can to follow these things, to be this kind of church, but I guess we're all aware that you can't just rest on that, that we have to continue to be that. We have to perpetuate that. We have to continue to teach our children and other people's children that this is what Jesus Christ expects of a local church, a church that wants to glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus. We need to be aware of these things. So he will do that work, but we also need to do our part in that and acknowledge, yep, that's, that's my part to be, be doing these things. So if we acknowledge these things and we want to perpetuate them, then we need what comes after verse 1. And if you have a look in verse 2, it says that we're supposed to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And I looked at these words, like-minded and uh, of one of one mind, and really, they're actually the same word, like-minded and of one word uh, and of one mind, other other one word, and they mean this: agreed together or harmonious. Now, when when I saw agreed together, and when I think about you know a whole group of people agreeing together, sometimes you just think, well, it's really not possible, like especially with a size, a group of people this size. Like, how can we all agree together? On things. Well, the only way we can do that is when we're talking about what is actually important, and we're talking about what Jesus Christ expects. Because we're not all going to agree that my tie looks nice. My sister said to me tonight, "Oh, you got pink? You got pink in it? Can't have pink." It's okay. It's far away. No one's going to see it. That's what she said. Well, I'm sorry, but this looks really good. No, I'm just <laughs> But we're not all going to agree on everything, are we? But What Jesus Christ expects of the church is that we agree on things that matter for the church and what he has has laid out. So agreed together and harmonious, and it doesn't mean that everyone has to be the same kind of person, because we are all different. God's made us different. He's made our personalities different. We're supposed to be different, but we're supposed to be able, with the, the Holy Spirit's help, to be able to come together in harmony for the things that we're supposed to fulfil in the local church. And I think about you know, musicians and all that. You've got all your different uh, instruments and when people sing, they have you know, the different you know, bass and all this kind of stuff, stuff that is kind of over my head. But when they do it correctly for the right purpose, they're all different but it actually comes together and it's in harmony. And that's what we're supposed to strive for in the local church, that we can acknowledge our differences in an area but we need to make sure that we're harmonious in the things that Jesus Christ actually expects. So that means glorifying him. And sometimes that means putting other things to the side as well. So we need to be aware of that. The next one is this. It says that we're supposed to have the same love. And this is actually talking about the idea of air, just go with me on this, the idea of air breathing out that you would use for yourself to to survive breathing out, but it's that same air that other people also need, that same, that same life that other people need. So it's the same love. It's the same... What you, how you look after yourself, you're supposed to use that to also look after other people, essentially. It's like loving your neighbour. But that's what that same love, that little those two words there, that's what that means. So you're supposed to go, oh, I'm, I'm surviving with this, but I also need to be aware that other people also need to survive with that. So we need to be on the same level and be caring for one another. Not just caring for the lost and the missionaries and all that kind of stuff. We're supposed to do that. But this is in the the context of the local church. So I know that I can be guilty of, you know, hey, we need to give to that thing or pray for that person. But sometimes I'm not even praying for some of the people inside the church. And we're supposed to be aware of that and supposed to be working together in this. So the same love for one another. The next one is one accord. And it's talking about united in our affections. And Colossians 3.2 says, set your affection on things above. And isn't that really supposed to be our purpose as a church, that our affection is supposed to be on things above? We're not supposed to be worried so much about everything down here. And uh, like Tom Gonderman said on Sunday, you know, not just worrying about what's before us, but setting our affection on things above. And so we're supposed to be in one accord that way. So when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to, you know, do we do this or do we do that, if our affection is on things above, then we're actually all aligning to the right thing and to the same thing. And then our purposes become singular, don't they? Rather than oh well I want this and I want that, then they become singular. And the next one is in that same verse, end of verse two, is of one mind, which really is the same as, as like minded. It's it's being agreed together and harmonious. So Knowing all of that, knowing that we're supposed to be that as a church and uh, these are the things that are important for a church to function how God wants it to, the question is how do we do those things? Because it's one thing to understand, okay, I'm supposed to look out for, for my fellow brethren, I'm supposed to you know, keep my affections on things above, but how is that actually supposed to take place when our nature actually is opposite to that? And you'll see in verse 3 that some of these things come out, some of the solution kind of comes out. It says in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. And strife and vainglory, really, at the, when it comes to the crunch, it's just talking about selfishness. It's talking about self-promoting, putting yourself forward. And nothing ever really good comes out of that. When we try and put ourselves forward, but isn't that actually what our nature is always trying to do? We're always trying to put our thoughts forward and our opinions forward and our way forward. But if everyone's doing that, then nothing good actually comes of that. It just causes confusion, it causes arguments, it causes frustration. So we're given this instruction here that we're not supposed to do anything in the local church context through selfishness, through putting ourselves forward. Because it's not going to come, it's not, we're not going to fulfil the purpose of the local church. So we're not supposed to see the solution as opposing other opinions or ways of thinking to get ours put forward. And we need to acknowledge that sometimes it's actually our self that we need to oppose. And what I mean by that is our, our selfish nature, we need to fight our selfish nature for God's glory. Because if I don't, then I'm just going to be fighting for position, I'm going to be fighting for my way. But instead of fighting everyone else for that, I'm supposed to be fighting myself. So I come back, you come back, the person over there comes back, and Jesus Christ is the main goal. If we all put ourselves second, then Jesus Christ can come first. But if we're all striving you know, for vainglory, then obviously he's not going to be in his rightful position in the local church. So that means we have to put our preferences aside at some point, we have to put our opinions aside, and we actually have to look at ourselves sometimes as an enemy to what Jesus Christ wants to achieve in the local church. And that's not, you know, get down on yourself or anything like that, but it's just be real, acknowledge that, you know, sometimes I am my own worst enemy, sometimes I am the problem, and I just want what I want sometimes. And you see that, you know, in little kids, like just no, I just want what I want. I'm going to take it and do it. But we're supposed to come out of that and go. Actually, I'm supposed to come second, and the Lord's supposed to come first. I'm supposed to come second, and the brethren are supposed to come before me. And that's what it continues to go on. These verses ahead go on and, and instruct this kind of thing. So it says, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves, and Having a humble opinion of yourself is only ever healthy. If, if, if you think you're more than you are, then once again, it's just putting yourself forward and it, nothing really good comes of that. Esteeming others better, which is really counting others, considering others, and that means considering other people's needs. It means considering what does that person need because you know I might be okay with what I have, but what do they need? and you're putting somebody else's needs before your own. Or maybe it's considering somebody else's gifts. Or I'm feeling a little bit threatened because that person has a better gift than me. Okay, but let's encourage that so that we can uh, keep going forward together and not be threatened by it, but let's consider one another. Consider what each other need, consider what each other can contribute, our purpose, you know, if you look at all the giftings, like they're all different, aren't they? There's not just one gift that the Holy Spirit gives. So it's acknowledging that, it's considering that, and using it to glorify God, because He's the one who purchased the lo- local church with His blood. So it's supposed to be about what He gets, not what we get. I'll keep going. I'm kind of nearly done. So verse number four. It says this: Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And once again, it's, I guess, reiterating, don't just look at yourself. Don't just think about yourself, because how easy is it to do that? Like I said with the photo, just you know, looking at me. And you're not even, you don't even consider anyone else around you unless you just want to pick on them. But you're just looking at yourself. And sometimes we just do that too much, just thinking about me, 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 what do I get? What am I going to get out of it? What's good for me? But it says, don't just look at your own things. Look at other people's things. We need to expand our view. Sometimes we're a little bit tunnel vision. I know I can be. We can just be a little bit tunnel vision about what is in it for me, what do I get, you know, whether it comes to a Sunday or just any given week in church or things to do with ministry, whatever it is, we can just think about ourselves and not how it affects the whole body. But imagine if we all thought about how it affected everyone else. If we're all doing that, then how good is that? How how different is that? And that's kind of what, the, what this passage is talking about, is thinking and considering other people. The church is not just one person. So Christ can be magnified when we all do this together. And we can bring glory to God by putting him first in our own lives, but in the context of the local church, we're supposed to be continually considering that with the people that we're serving with, that we're worshipping with, that we're trying to help, all these sorts of things. Christ is supposed to be magnified and that happens when we do these things, looking at other people, not just ourselves. All right, verse 5 to 7, I'm just going to read these ones through. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of God of men. You just think about that. Like, This is talking about God himself becoming a person. I don't know that I would ever do that. I don't know that I would ever lower myself like he did. But what he's doing there is he's considering everyone else, considering all the world. He's seeing the bigger picture. And I know he's God, he already knew it, but he still had to go through this. He still had to make himself obedient unto death, the death of the cross, but he's considering other people. He's not just looking at himself or one person or anything like that. He has, he's thinking harmony, he's thinking, you know, glorification, all these things. Look at verse 8. It says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And really, if nothing else tonight, I'm really just talking about Christ is our example of all of these things. He became humble. He, be, he was obedient to the de- death of the cross. He's our example for considering others. He's our example for putting others before ourselves. He's our example for glorifying the Father and looking at that one purpose. I mean, that's what he was doing when he went to the cross. Yeah, he felt, you know, when he was praying in the garden, and I've got the verse here, Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You know what the next word he said? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And when he said nevertheless, he's acknowledging all of these things that are are in that scripture in in Philippians chapter 2. He's saying, I know I want this. I don't want to be separated from you, Father, but for the bigger picture, for your glory, for the help of these people, then I'm gonna do your will. I'm not gonna do what I want to do right now, which is not go through this, but I'm gonna put all that aside and nevertheless, your will be done. And really, that's that's what we need to be continually doing as a church, is being led by the Holy Spirit to go forward together, but considering one another as we do that. So it's not just me trying to make my thing happen or me trying to manipulate somebody else or anything like that or be selfish about it but let's just get on our knees and pray and say lord can you help me to not put myself forward can you help me to be second can you help me to consider other people's needs and all these sorts of things because that's what helps us to glorify god as a church hey we can put we can put on and do a whole bunch of different things Uh, all throughout the year, and we can, you know, pat our backs and say, you know, we did a really good job. But the question is, who was it all for? What purpose was it meant to achieve? And that's coming back down to, well, it's actually supposed to be about Jesus Christ. It's not just about doing stuff. It's not just about attending a church service. It's not just about singing some songs, but it's about putting Jesus Christ first. And sometimes, you know, you come, I appreciate you coming on a Wednesday night, and, you know, Wednesday night is hard sometimes sometimes. But if you come with this attitude of, you know what, I'm going to consider other people, I'm going to come and I'm going to pray for some people's needs, I'm not going to put myself first, but I'm going to put him first, then we have a different service. And God gets glorified when we do that. So those are just some things about seeing the bigger picture, seeing God's will, seeing our purpose as a church. And as we move forward into whatever, whatever chapter unfolds anytime, time, this is how we're supposed to approach it is seeking the glory of God as we do it and doing it together. So that's really all I've got tonight and I hope that's just a little bit of a help, a little bit of a reminder of some things. Um, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to actually get Charles to come and we're going to sing a song and while we sing that song, I'll get those guys to hand out the prayer sheets and then I'll come back after that. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word and uh, Lord for your encouragement in how we ought to operate as a church and how we can glorify you in all that we do. Help us, Lord, to consider you first and foremost. Uh, Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And, Father, to look on the things of others and not just on the things of ourselves, Lord God. Father, we thank you for our church. Thank you for all you've done in it and through it. Uh, Thank you for each one that you have died for. And, uh, Father, we just pray that you'd help us to continue to shine your light in this place and our Father to look out for one another. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.